Hey guys, thanks for joining us on Real Faith Radio, presented by Praise Chapel Las Vegas. Subscribe to us on Apple and Google Podcasts, SoundCloud, and Spotify to get notified when new episodes are available to download or stream. You can also follow us on social media at PC Las Vegas and visit our website, PraiseChapelLasVegas.com, to find out more about us and give online. Thanks again for joining and enjoy today's message. Amen. How's everyone doing tonight? Amen. Someone say, I'm blessed. I'm your sister Bloom right there. Amen. Too blessed to be stressed. Amen. I was going to keep going with that, but I'll leave it be. But amen. Well, it is a, a tremendous uh, opportunity to minister the word. So I do want to thank uh, first and foremost, uh, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, uh, just for bringing me here and continuing to sustain me in the midst of everything. Um, I can never give God enough credit. Um, this, his gift of salvation is just too far great for me to never stop giving him praise. So I want to thank my, uh, my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, for that. Thank my, my parents, uh, my pastor, my dad, for giving me this opportunity to minister the word. Again, I always say I don't take this lightly, and I always will treat every opportunity as a God-given moment um, to, to build me as a man of God and also to be a vessel to be used for the kingdom of God as well. And so we're going to get into the word right now, but before we do, let's just go ahead. I know God's already operating here in the midst of everything. He met us here in worship, you know, through the midst of struggle and things that were going on back home in, in California with some family friends. Uh, but God is here in the midst. Can someone say amen to that? So we want God to continue to operate right here. Um, we know that God has his hand on, you know, what's going on back home. He has his hand, what's going on in our city, in our nation. Um, you know, there's some hope, there's a, so some light at the end of the tunnel, as um, it's said in the news, with uh, what's going on with COVID-19. There's um, this vaccine that's starting to be uh, um, distributed. Um, it has a high effective rate. Uh, but with that here, um, you know, there's still a lot going on here. And we still need God in the midst of everything right here. And so we know God has that situation. We know God ha- has every situation. No, nothing is too big for the Lord. And so let's go ahead and bring God into the midst of tonight's message. Father, we come to you right now, Father. We thank you for bringing us here tonight. Father, just through everything that's going on in our hearts and our minds and our families and our communities, you know all of this, Father God. And so, Father, you've said before, come to me all who are are weary and I will give you rest, Lord. Take upon my yoke, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So we give you our burdens. We give you everything that's heavy laden on our hearts right now, Lord. We lay them at your feet, Father God. We want to give you just the complete and and deserving attention, Father God. We want to can focus on you, Father God. We bind distractions right now in the name of Jesus, and we want to hear you, Father. I, I thank you for this opportunity, Father. As I bring this word tonight, Father, let our body here and those watching online hear the voice behind the voice, Father God. Let it be not my agenda. Let it be my opinions, Father God, but let it be all your word, Father God, for your word is living yesterday, today, and forever, Lord. We believe it, Father God. And so let this be nothing but your word and your truth, Father God. Meet us here tonight. We ask in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Someone give God some praise. Amen. So, um, you know, there's always that saying that some of the best messages come that they minister to yourself first. And, um, you know, this message definitely did minister to myself. And 
I, tonight, I want to take time in us. I want to take this time to take joy in knowing who God is to us. For some of us, God has healed us. For some of us, God has provided to us. For some of us, God has sustained us. For some of us, it's been a combination of those things. Um, you know, and there's so many different facets of God's character. But tonight, I'm going to focus on one of his most important facets here. Um, you see, there's a particular way that we can look at our lives. Um, this, uh, this analogy that I'm going to be using tonight, um, our lives are like a voyage on the sea. And how many of you guys know that the biggest body of water is the Pacific Ocean? Um, you know, we kind of see, we go to the beach, we go to Hunton Beach, we go to Newport Beach, and we just see the shoreline and we think, wow, you know, it's wonderful. But we really have to understand the magnitude of how big the Pacific Ocean is. Um, we're so used to driving everywhere, we're flying everywhere. Um, you know, you can fly to China, you know, just overnight. Uh, but if you're going via boat, it's 15 to 30 days, two to four weeks to get across uh, via boat from one end to the other. And so with that, our lives are kind of similar in that sense, where it, our lives, you know, for the most part, are, are a period of time. It's decades of time um, that it takes while we're here on earth. Um, you see, lives on the sea, or lives on the sea um, take a bunch of different forms, you know, which we're going to talk about tonight. And a lot can happen during the voyages of our lives and our journey to eternity with our Father. That's the shoreline that we're trying to get to. We're trying to get to eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. And so throughout all of that, though, throughout the midst of adversity, we can rest in knowing that one of the things that God is to us is our anchor, which is the title of my message tonight. And so we're going to get into our key scripture here. It's going to be in the book of Hebrews, uh, chapter 6, and verses 13 through 20. It's going to be uh, on the screen as well. I came a little bit more prepared than I normally do. Uh, so I have that right here on the board. I'm reading out of the English Standard Version. And so I'm going to read that right here. It says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, um, yeah. thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath. Uh, in verse 18, says, so that by two unchangeable things, someone say two things, two things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Ecclesiac. Man, that one's a tongue twister right there. Shoot. But, amen. So as we get into this portion of Scripture here, you know, we have to understand what's going on in the book of Hebrews. I'm all about context. Um, you know, it's about one thing to read a portion of Scripture a day, you know, the verse of the day. That's all well and good. But we get a far deeper understanding when we understand the backstory, the context of what's going on in the Scripture. So as far as the book of Hebrews goes, we don't know exactly who wrote it. You know, some of the theologians have some guesses as to who wrote it. Some say it could be Paul. Some could say some other early Christians. Uh, but we don't know exactly who wrote the book of Hebrews. 
And we don't know who this letter was even meant for. Uh, we know it's meant for some body of Christ, but we don't know specifically who it was for. But what we do know is that it was written for an audience who, who already know what um, was done in the Old Testament and who Jesus was, you know, in a sense. Um, you see, the book of Hebrews was intended to remind us not only not only those who are receiving the letter, but us today as well, that who, who our Savior Jesus Christ is and how he was first a carrier of God's glory. Someone say God's glory. That being God in human form as we are and bringing forth the good news. So that's the first thing of who Jesus was. He brought forth a message of repentance, a, re a message of salvation. He worked miraculous miracles. It was God operating through a human form. And so he was not only a carrier of God's glory, though. He was a carrier of God's humility in that being he gave his life so that way he could be a living sacrifice for all of our sins so that way we could be here today and have the gift of salvation. You see, church, let's never take, let's never stop taking opportunities to thank God for who he's been, who he is now, and who he's always going to be. Some say amen to that. Amen. However, in the book of Hebrews as well, there's some warnings that are given to us as well. And while this may be scary, you know, we don't like to be warned about things. You know, some of it, especially you guys read the side of the NyQuil bottle says, don't drink this while you're operating heavy machinery. Um, you read the uh, side effects of any kind of prescription that you're taking from the doctor, you know, those warnings can be a little bit scary to us. And the warnings here in the book of Hebrews can be scary to us as well. But I'm here to tell you at the same time, those warnings are meant to be scary for us, but it's meant to make us uncomfortable. That's the whole point of what everything that uh, the author is writing in the book of Hebrews. Uh, we must be comfortable with being uncomfortable. So, uh, that's going to not make sense to a lot of us right here and there. But as we go along, you're going to get it. You see, the moment that we become comfortable being apart from God is the moment that we should be scared. We must be comfortable being uncomfortable with leaving God. And so in one of the previous messages I taught here, and we're going to go back in a couple of chapters in the book of Hebrews, um, I brought forth a reminder uh, how the Israelites were basically forming a mutiny. You know, they have the crew on the boat, and these guys are getting all riled up and all up in arms about just different things, complaining, griping, uh, wandering through the desert for the time that they did. And so basically, the Israelites, like I said, were forming a mutiny against God and Moses as they traveled through. And the author, you know, going back to the basics pretty much with those who he's writing to, um, goes back to the Old Testament to bring that reminder. Um, so if we go to Hebrews chapter 4, uh, verses 9 through 11, we're going to start there, and then we're going to skip down to verse 14. Um, in verse 9, it says, So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. So let us do our best to enter that rest. But if we disobey God as the people of Israel did, we will fall. And so I'm going to drop down to verse 14 here. Um, and it says on verse 14, So then, we, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses, for he faced all the same testings that we do, yet he did not sin. So let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy, and we will find grace to help us when we need it the most. And so with that, the author is reminding of God's character, God's goodness. 
You see, God wants us to all inherit eternity with him. He doesn't want anyone to perish here. But you see here, he's brought, he, the author is bringing a parallel to what happened in the Old Testament. And he, how he didn't want the Israelites to miss out on the promised land. But their disobedience and the fact that they didn't anchor themselves in God caused them to miss out. And a lot of us miss the boat too when we stay stuck in our ways, when we can't find our foundation in Christ. You see, God holds a promise to us for, to us as believers. He promised to be good to us just as we promise ourselves to Him. It's a mutual relationship. As we promise ourselves to Him, God promises Himself to us. Um, we go back to Hebrews chapter 6, uh, verse 18. It says, So God has given both His promise and His oath. These two things are unchangeable because it's impossible for God to lie. Therefore, we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence. Someone say great confidence. Great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary. You see, the New Living Translation says this great confidence. If you go into the English Standard Version, it says God guaranteed in which we might have strong encouragement. Um, the New King James Version puts it as strong consolation. And the message says, we have every reason to grab the promised hope with both hands and never let go. And so in the midst of everything that's going on, God wants to give us this great consolation. And so we're going to break down what exactly a great consolation even means. You see, God's promise is living in the scripture that he will indeed be the anchor for our souls. And he's going to be that in the midst of every season of our lives. Um, there's this, um, of course, uh, Charles Spurgeon, they call him the Prince of Preachers, great theologian, great th studier of the word. He describes this strong encouragement, this uh, strong consolation that he wants to give to us, that God promises to us. And so Charles Spurgeon breaks down exactly what this is. Strong consolation or encouragement does not depend on bodily health first. So it doesn't matter what condition you are, whether you're at the beginning of your life, you're at the end of your life, in sickness and in health, in everything. God's encouragement is unconditional on how you're feeling right then and there. The second thing, God's consolation, or once again, encouragement, does not depend on the excitement of public services and Christian fellowship. That's how he put it. But basically, what he's saying is that God's encouragement is in conditional based off what's going on in the church, whether we're having revival or things don't seem like that are going on right now. God's promise to us is to be there for us in the midst of every season. It doesn't matter if things, again, aren't going, you know, in the sense of spirit of revival. God will continue to be true to us. Um, strong consolation can't be shaken by human reasoning, meaning God's promise is true to us regardless of whether how, how much we try to deny it. And then also, God, strong consolation is stronger than our guilty conscience. You see, God's promise is true to us in spite of the times that we stumble, we fall, and we try to say that we're not good enough to keep going. We're not good enough for salvation. Um, God's promise goes right through that. He continues on here in Charles Spurgeon. It's a strong consolation, a strong encouragement that can deal with outward trials. You know, when one after another, all the earthly props and comforts have given away. It needs a strong consolation then. You know, not in your picture trials, but your real trials. Not your imaginary afflictions, but the real stuff. And the blustering storms of life. Uh, he goes on to say right here, to rejoice then and say, though these things may not 
be with me as I would have him. Yet he has made an everlasting covenant ordered in all things ensure this is strong consolation. And so if I could paraphrase exactly what Charles Spurgeon is saying right here, um, it's a strong encouragement that, you know, even when things are going just awry, when we're stumbling, we're falling, we're dealing with addiction, we're dealing with things going on with our families, God's strong encouragement goes through that where we can say, even though I don't have it all together, I'm going to take joy knowing that God's made a covenant with each and every one of us. That God's made a covenant with me specifically. He's made one with Brandon. He's made one with Brother Fino. He's made one with Brother Marcos, Brother Josh. He's made a specific covenant with each and every one of us. It's unique to us. That's the kind of God that we serve. We don't serve a cold deity. We don't serve someone that's just up above that we can't talk to specifically. We have a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. That's God's promise to us. That's personal relationship. That's personal encouragement with each and every one of us. So you see, God promises himself to us because that's his goodness. That's his nature of who he is as our Lord and Savior. God's promises are true. Someone say they're true. And he indeed is the anchor in every season of our lives. So there's two particular seasons that I want us to remember in which our anchor in Christ is secure. So you see, God is the anchor in the storm and in the still. God is the anchor in the storm and in the still. And so first, we're going to look at the storm. So you see, in the midst of all the crashing waves that surround us in life and everything that comes and hits us, the winds that howl over us, the dark clouds and lightning, we must rest in knowing that God is our anchor that provides the constant and consistent peace in our lives. Now, I know many of us have been on a boat before, uh, but when the anchor goes down, you can't really see it, right? Once it sinks down, you kind of lose sight of it. You can see the line. You can see the chain, however the anchor is attached. But once it goes down, we can't see it. And so with that, the anchor is like plunged into the deepest waters. It goes all the way down to the bottom to get that secure foundation in order to keep your vessel uh, where it needs to be. And so that's how God is. The sea is just all of the uh, depravity, all the sin, all the things that are trying to surround us and trying to drown us. God cuts through all of the sin. God cuts through all the situations, all the depravity. It gets through the bottom. He can cut through all of that, and he provides all the security. He provides the foundation that we need to make it through this walk of life. Can someone say amen? Amen. In first, or in, in Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10, uh, the English Standard, uh, the Lord's speaking to Jacob right here and us. It says, Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So God has given us two things in this scripture. He's given us a promise, but he's also given us a command. He's saying, fear not. That's something directly from the Lord. Fear is not of the Lord. Anxiety is not of the Lord. In a lot of cases, it's even a sin. And so those things do not need to dwell with us when we have a firm foundation, an anchor of security with the Lord in our lives. You see, we're never alone in the storms of life, no matter as much as everything goes on, as much as we can't see the anchor going down into the depths of the ocean, we know that the anchor is there. Even when we don't see it, God's working in the midst of every situation. Amen. So, again, God is in with us in the midst of the storm, and He's with us in the still. So, as many of us can think, you know, we can, look, we can think about anchors and think that, well, an anchor is only really when things are going crazy, when things are going all over the place, when um, just 
hard times are coming upon us. But I'm here to tell you that the anchor is also there for us in the peace. You see, the anchor keeps us secure in Christ, and it keeps us from drifting away from our salvation. Because how many know where if you don't have an anchor and you're on still water, the boat's not going to stay still. It's going to start drifting around. You may not even notice it, but it starts to drift away. It's easy for us to let our guard down after the storm has settled. It's easy for us to come into a place of complacency where it's like, all right, God, well, man, thank you so much for getting me through that, that situation. Thank you so much for just meeting me and my needs. I feel pretty good about where I am. I feel a bit more confident about my walk, about my struggles. I feel, I feel good. It's easy for us to lull ourselves into that false sense of security. And so if we're not careful, if we're not seeking God and maintaining that anchor in Him, maintaining that foundation with Him, before we know it, we can end up drifting away. You see, after the storms of life pass, we have to remember to continue to throw our anchors down into the water in the midst of all the stillness. Second uh, Timothy chapter 1, verse 6 says, For this reason I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. Um, you know, again, I mentioned this at the beginning. Um, these messages, you know, often are the best when they minister to yourselves first. And I find that to be true in my case. I've always said that God is the anchor because I've gone through hard times in my life and personal struggles in my life, you know, that are part of my testimony, that I felt unworthy of the calling of God on my life. Or I felt unworthy just to even be in God's presence or even continue the faith walk. Uh, but just in the midst of all that, I know that God has always been consistently my anchor and has always kept me stable in the midst of everything that I thought was going wrong. Again, it was just in the times that I even wasn't seeking God and the times that I wasn't crying out to God, God was still operating around me and God was holding me in place with everything that he's given me. You see, when the waves of life come crashing all around us and it feels like we're going to go under, you know, we're going to seek into those depths of sin, the depravity, we're going to fall into that isolation. We got to remember that, you know, you can look at something like the Pacific Ocean and it's scary deep. The, the ocean is scary deep. We have only an inkling of how deep the ocean is, but it's deep, you know, miles and miles deep. And so we can often find ourselves in similar situations when we're just going through something. You know, we can feel like we're so deep inside and to the point where people have walked away from the faith because they feel cold from God or they feel like they've done so much already that they just got to keep going down and down. But I'm here to tell you that no water, no deep situation is too deep for God. God can reach down through the bottom of the sea, bottom of your pits, bottom of those trenches and still be able to pick you up out of that. You see... Um, one of the song um, that I hold dear to my heart and is partially, uh, you know, something that I was uh, inspired by in putting this message together, is, it's called Anchor. Uh, it's a song by Beautiful Eulogy. Um, I encourage you guys to listen to it and read the lyrics to it. Um, it's more than just a catchy beat and rap. Um, you know, there's a, a deep, profound message that is inspired by the book of Hebrews, the book of Romans, but it just brings, it's a reminder that God sustains us you know, when the, when the storms come in our lives and he remains good to us in every season, in the storm and in the still. And so I'm going to say amen. Amen. Let's all stand up here.
Amen. It's times like this where it's just, man, I'm honestly just, I'm really thankful on it. I just, I've learned to take these opportunities as much as, as possible to just give God thanks. I mean, I, I, me- I mentioned it in worship and it's something laid in my heart and it's something that should be on our hearts where God recognizes our needs. God sees what's going on in our lives. God sees what we lack. God knows just what's going on. But we also, it also starts with us with giving just thanksgiving for God. You know, we took communion uh, for, uh, for thanksgiving um, and even here at the church, the service after. And it's just the, those moments where it's just communion is just, it's not something that we just do a couple times a year, but it's something that we should consistently do. And giving thanks for the sacrifice that God made for us that in His Son, Jesus Christ, so that we need to be here together. And so just with every head, uh,